I think kind of the general consensus is the last thing I want to worry about is what happens if this disease, you know, causes me to be very sick or, or even worse. I don't have my plan in place. I don't have my ducks in a row. So what can I do to at least get one of those things off of the list of things that I'm worrying about? Do you know what will happen to your loved ones when something happens to you? If you don't know the answer or don't like the answer, then this is the show for you. Listen up as we teach you about protecting your family legacy through better estate planning. Our family is here to protect yours. So welcome to the Complete Estate Planning Podcast with attorney Nick Rosenbauer. And here's your host, Ben George. Welcome in to a Complete Estate Planning, the podcast where we not only make sure that you're completely taken care of, but also the ones you love, make sure they never have to worry uh, when you're gone. We do this every week or every couple of weeks with Nick Rosenbauer, the estate planning attorney and owner over at Rosenbauer Law Office. Nick, uh, welcome in. I know, um, you know, we usually talk about estate planning, but we got to quickly address, you know, what's going on nationally. And it's been a crazy uh, couple of weeks since we last talked. And um, you know, how have you guys been affected? Ohio has been a very busy and very active state in terms of kind of getting ahead of stuff, but it's been a wild ride, huh? Oh boy, you 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 can say that again. I, and just about everyone that I that I've met with, as we're kind of going through the process, it's so strange. We look at each other and say, "Wow, how the world has changed since we last met two weeks ago." Obviously, with the coronavirus, of course, it's all over the news, and you know, some people think it's the end of days. Some people think think it's a big overreaction. I. My my doctorate degrees in law, not medicine, so I, I can't say I know for sure. Um, but obviously, uh, our governor uh, Mike Dewine, he's been one of the quickest to act, and he's been one of the people to take as you know take it as far as possible, um, some extreme measures. And I guess we'll we'll see how that plays out. As of the day we're recording this, it's probably too early to tell. I'm not going to make a prediction one way or the other, but for us, we're doing whatever we can. Obviously, wash our hands. Uh, we're not shaking hands with anyone. Um, we're not even offering drinks because then we have to touch the cups, and so do they. A lot of Clorox wipes and Lysol spray. Um, I will say that I've gotten I've gotten some yeah. chemical burns from all <laughs> the uh, Clorox wipes that I've used. But we're we're doing everything we can because whatever the danger as far as how contagious this is, what we do know is that for some of the elderly people and some people with respiratory issues, um, it can be bad news. So we're, we're doing everything we can to make sure myself, my staff are safe and all of our clients are as well. But, you know, this, this time it's as, it's as important as it ever is. You know, people are calling me saying I've been waiting too long what can we do to get this done? And and maybe it's a wake up call. And you know what we're doing is until uh, as long as the government allows us to stay open, small office, we don't have 20, 30 people in here. We're going to keep doing everything we can to help everyone. Um, although obviously we do have some contingencies in place, um, as I'm sure everyone does. If if we need to work remotely, phone calls, emails, web meetings. Uh, ability to continue to do my work and things like that. So we're doing everything we can, taking it day by day. Um, and I don't, I don't really know what else you can do besides be safe, keep everything sanitary, 
uh, hope for the best and plan for the worst, right? Yeah, there's not much more you can do at this point. It's kind of a wait-and-see approach, and hopefully the measures that are being taken will pay off uh, sooner than later, but I think we'll still still have, probably by the time this episode comes out, we'll kind of get a feel whether or not we're on the downside of it, uh, but we're March 20th right now when we record, so to give you a little sense of that. I, and not to take a morbid perspective on this, but you know that's kind of what we do on this show. We talk about death, but you, you kind of touched on it briefly, but do you get a lot more calls in situations like this where – you know, it's even been an eye opener for me. Like, you know, I'm not at risk necessarily, as they say, you know, when you're, unless you're a little bit older and elderly, you're more a higher risk for this disease and this virus. But do you have more people have that wake up call and, and call you times like this? This has been the busiest March that we have ever had. And there's still 10 days left in March. Um, and wow. I don't, I don't mean that as far as, to brag or look how great we are, but the demand and the number of people who have reached out to us and uh, maybe it is a wake up call or maybe they realize, you know, I have enough to worry about with the the craziness and the health risks and and all the things going on uh, with the disease and are people going to be able to keep working or not. And I think kind of the general consensus, the last thing I want to worry about is, what happens if this disease gets me, you know, causes me to be very sick or, or even worse? Mm-hmm. I don't have my plan in place. I don't have my ducks in a row. So what can I do to at least get one of those things off of the list of things that I'm worrying about? Um, and so I think that's been the general consensus. You know, we've waited too long. Now's as good of a time as ever. Um, and gotcha. we're, we're doing everything we can to help every one that we can for as long as we can. Well, if you if you have any questions or you are uh, in that boat where like kind of like me where you think well maybe it is time to act and this is kind of a wake up call, uh, you can get in touch with Nick's office, Rosenbauer Law Office. They're right there in Westchester, but they serve you know Greater Cincinnati up to Southern Dayton, uh, and you can find them online as well, CincinnatiEstatePlan dot com. But their office number five one three four six three six seven eight nine. Let's get into today's topic. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on coronavirus. We could do a long episode on that. I know there's been a lot of fallout for you personally, uh, but <laughs> let's get into today's topic. And that's a pretty interesting one on in, in terms of estate planning. And that's about leaving an inheritance to your kids. We all want to do it, right? I mean, a lot of people want to leave a legacy behind to their children, but what if your son or daughter has a spouse that you not real fond of, uh, and you're worried about what might happen to your money when you leave it behind. So that's what we're going to get into today. I think this is kind of an interesting topic. I don't really think about this aspect of it too much, Nick, but you know, we make, cause we make jokes about in-laws all the time, either mother-in-law, oh, yeah. you know, I can't, I don't get along with my in-laws. I got to go to my in-laws house for the holidays, but is this truly an issue for a lot of people? It is an issue more often than you might realize. And there have been a number of conversations that I have with families, and sometimes they they do like um, their son-in-law or daughter-in-law, but they don't like some things that he or she does. Sometimes it's worse than that. Sometimes they outright do not like the person, and they are concerned about maybe he or she can't hold down a steady job. Um, maybe their child is extremely successful, okay? Uh, You know, a a high earner, doctor, lawyer, um, executive, something like that, or even just a really hard worker who has done a great job and 
their son-in-law or daughter-in-law maybe isn't carrying his or her end of the bargain. And so there's concerns that the son-in-law or daughter-in-law is almost, you know, another child. And there's also sometimes where there's relationship trouble already. And maybe there's a, maybe the son-in-law or daughter-in-law is mean. Maybe they spend money unresponsibly. Maybe they are, maybe they have a bad relationship with the kids. Maybe there's joint children and separate children involved. Uh, maybe there's an ex son-in-law or daughter-in-law or, uh, you know, someone else who's kind of in the picture, but not really. And they're worried about, you know, what happens if my son or daughter gets their inheritance and then they get divorced. And this son-in-law or daughter-in-law that I don't like walks away with half of my hard-earned money. That obviously uh, is something that people are concerned about. Um, Or if, let's say, they don't get divorced, this person could have some real influence on my son or my daughter. And you've all heard the situations where you talk to someone and they say, well, I have to let my I have to let my husband make that decision or I have to let my wife make that decision. There are bullies out there. So there's a whole number of scenarios within this concept of I don't love my son-in-law or my daughter-in-law. And you know, a number of things can go wrong with that when someone gets a big inheritance check from mom and dad. Yeah, there's no question about that. And, you know, divorce is all too common across the board. Are there any protections in place? If, if I said, I'm not going to go to an estate attorney, I'm not going to worry about that. Is there anything that's protecting me right now when I pass that inheritance along? Well, limited at best. Um, first off, it depends on what state you live in. In Ohio, the rules protect your loved ones, I would say, about as much as they would anywhere in the country. And it's still not great protection. What we're worried about here is if there was a divorce, when the divorce judge takes a look at all of the assets that we put in the middle, I like to visualize it as putting it in a pile, and this is the couple's assets, Now we cut it in half. Half goes with you, half goes with you. And what we're trying to do ultimately is make sure that what you work hard for and give to your child doesn't ultimately go in the pile and half or sometimes maybe more than half goes out the door to your ex-family member. So in Ohio, the best thing you can do without planning is to have your child keep those assets separate. And even then, that's not a guarantee, but it is a much different scenario if you open up a separate bank account and put the $100,000 you received from your mom and dad in that account. Your spouse is not on the account. You've never commingled the assets, which is a fancy word for mixed everything together. You know, your money, his money, uh, everything goes in the same bank account to where you can't unscramble it anymore. So commingled, uh, mixed, scrambled, they all mean the same thing. Um, because once it's all mixed together or commingled, then in almost all scenarios, it gets thrown on the table to be split in half. So if you keep a separate account that you open up brand new for an inheritance and the checking account is called, this is the money I got from mom and dad. 
that is something that you have a chance to keep that money separate. There is a chance that money will not be given half to your ex-wife or your ex-husband if you were to get divorced. Now, most of us who are married, um, and Ben, you're probably the same way. If I gave you a check for $100,000 today, where does that money probably go? His and her joint bank account would be my guess. Is that how it would go in your household? You are correct, sir. Exactly. So once that happens, it's over. Okay. That is not your money. That is our money at that point. And then it's fair game. Also, something people don't think about, they say, wow, all they have to do is tell my son or daughter to keep the money separate. And and Ben, let me ask you this. If I gave you $100,000 and I said, I need you to open up a separate checking account, and then I want you to go home and tell your wife what you did and say, honey, everything we've always had is together. The house is together. The accounts are together. (laughs) You name it. But I want you to know I just went to a bank, opened up an account in my name only. You're not on it, and you're not allowed to access it. You understand, right, sweetheart? (laughs) It probably wouldn't do a lot for that relationship that already was in bad shape because you're having these conversations to begin with. Exactly. So best case scenario, your son or daughter does the right thing and is educated, and that's assuming they can stand up to the spouse. My wife would say, absolutely not. You're not doing that. And I would put my tail between my legs and say, yes, dear, I'm so sorry. And I would go put the money right into the joint account. So assuming they have more of a backbone than me and can stand up to them, the best case scenario is they are put in an awkward position with their husband or wife. Okay, so there's no good way to do it. It can be done, maybe. Okay, there's no guarantee, but it can be done if you put your son or daughter in a very awkward position. And that's that's more or less all you can do. The other option would be a prenuptial agreement. Okay. Now, that's assuming no one's married yet. Okay? Cuz once they're married in Ohio, a post-nuptial agreement, which is basically a prenup that is signed after you're already married, in Ohio those don't those don't exist. Those are not valid. Once you're married, you're stuck. And obviously not the most romantic either. So the only two ways to really protect things without any sort of estate planning, put your child in a very awkward position, and they're not necessarily fail-safe either. So there's still some holes in the bucket. Okay. Well, there are a few things you can do, but uh, you know, it's a re- very big risk. There's only... A couple ways to really get, uh, I guess, everything in order so that you know you're protected. And that's first starting with working with an estate planning attorney that knows all the ins and outs of uh, these rules and laws in effect to protect you and your your inheritance. So let's say, okay, I don't trust that my, you know, my daughter or son will be able to have the backbone to stand up to their spouse and create this separate account and, and truly protect that money by itself. I come to you, I say, okay, Nick, listen, I, I don't trust my uh, son-in-law at all. So what can I do to protect my inheritance when I leave it for my daughter? Where are we going to start? Well, that's a great question. And I'm going to back up for one second. Let's say your daughter did have the backbone and she wore the pants in the family. Even if you thought she could do it, would you really want to put her in that awkward situation? Because you are 100% setting her up for 
a confrontation. So you're getting in the middle of their marriage after you pass away. So even if, you know, I don't even want to preface this question on, Nick, what if we can't do it? What if we can't guarantee that your child will stand up to them? Or what if we don't want your child to have to stand up with them? So assuming either of those are the case, one of the best things to do would be to use some sort of revocable trust, some sort of living trust uh, that has a couple advanced planning tools in it. Most importantly, what we generally look at is we add to our client's trust documents some language that will protect in the event of a divorce. And an experienced estate planning attorney can draft a trust in a way to protect the inheritance and guarantee that it will remain separate property of the spouse. And additionally, it'll provide some extra barriers to block the spouse from receiving the inheritance, whether they got divorced. And think about uh, what I just mentioned, block it from being put on the table of all the assets that the divorce judge will split in half. And also, another thing to think about, what if they don't get divorced, but we can still do what we what we can to keep the money out of the hands of the son-in-law or daughter-in-law who's just going to take it all and blow all the money and then nothing's left for your child. But definitely a, a living trust is the best way to do that. But make sure you work with an attorney um, who can help out with some of that advanced language to add those protections in there. But if you do that, that is about as good of a protection as you can have and the best chance that you can have to make sure that your inheritance is safeguarded for your child. So, and you mentioned kind of, you preface that answer with, uh, you know, the whole scenario of what, you know, what if you don't want to put them in that, that spot to have to, uh, create that confrontation in the relationship. So let's say that, you know, you pass this on and, uh, you know, you're, you've passed and this trust is in place. Is there any situation in which the spouse could be added to whatever, wherever that money is, whatever that account is, that money is placed into? I mean, is it that completely protected where even if it did create a confrontation, there was an argument and I, let's say your daughter or your son did want to maybe facilitate some of that money for them, they feel guilty or whatever, no matter what, that protects them from being able to at all. Does that make sense? Well, it depends on if you want to give that option to your child. Okay. Okay. And some people, and, and there's various degrees of this. Some people say, I think my daughter is wonderful, but I think her husband is a bully. He's manipulative. He controls her. And even if we set this up separately, all he's going to do is tell my child, you march down to the bank right now, withdraw all that money, you give it to me. And I know my, my child you know, is kind of will be pressured into it. So if that's the case, you can take it a step further and you can protect from that situation. Now you have to go to some extreme measures to do it. And the reason why is this would restrict your own child's ability to pull all of the money out. So you would have to take away your child's choice as well, because if you give your child a choice, Obviously, your child has the ability to pull it all out and do what I just said. Now, what is probably more popular is give the child the choice. 
Okay. Okay. So we allow your child, basically give your own child rights to the checkbook. Okay. So if they choose to pull some money out, if they want to spend it, if they want to pay down the mortgage, if they want to buy their spouse uh, a new car, they have the ability to do so. However, the spouse does not. So this is kind of a step down from what I just talked about in the level of protection. But then we are relying on your child to make the decision. And look, I don't know what your daughter and her future spouse's relationship will be 30 years from now. Mm -hmm. We can't predict the future. So sometimes people put the onus on their child without putting them in the awkward situation where they have to take proactive steps to protect this from their spouse. And basically, the way that conversation happens is after mom and dad pass away, the children come in and meet with me and I explain, here's what we set up. Your parents set this up to protect your inheritance from going outside the family. If you keep the money in this separate uh, protected share, it is safe. However, your parents decided to give you the option. So if your marriage is great and you and your wife or you and your husband are doing fantastic and everything is wonderful, you've been married for 30 years, then we've given the child the ability to say, I'm not worried about this, so I'm going to take the money out and pay off our joint house. But if they're on rocky ground or they think their spouse is a bully or think there are other problems, they have the ability to walk out of that meeting and say, I'm sorry, sweetheart, the money's separate. It has to be set up this way. And Ben, this will sound bad, but I often tell my children can say, well, that's what mom and dad set up. Okay, so it's not your daughter going to her husband and saying, honey, I want to protect this money from you. They can say, truthfully, they can say, that's what mom and dad set up. So yeah. I don't I don't know what to tell you. If you want to look up to the heavens and yell at mom and dad, that's okay. <laughs> but at the same time, your child isn't the bad guy, if that makes sense. Right. Well, you know, you can't predict what's going to happen with a relationship. But what if, you know, you the couple ends up staying together for a long time? And, you know, there gets to a certain point where, you know, a couple will just stay married on paper legally, but uh, don't ever actually pull the trigger and get divorced. How can you protect yourself if you've set up your trust to protect in the case of a divorce? What about if they just stick together, but the relationship's still not great? Well, that's that's a great uh, point. And I will say that is becoming more and more popular uh, with some of uh, the elderly clients that I deal with because... You know, for lack of a better word, they have come to an amicable agreement to separate, but they decided never to go through with all the headaches and troubles of getting an actual divorce. But obviously, if your child did that, you would not want their spouse, who on paper is their spouse, but in reality is their ex-spouse, you obviously would not want them to receive some of your hard-earned money that was supposed to go to your child. So the divorce protection takes care of that as well. And you can actually use the first level of protection that I talked about or the the initial level of protection that I talked about to where your child still has access and control and has their own choice because we know we're not worried about your own child taking all the money and giving it to, frankly, uh, someone who is an ex-spouse, but that will solve that problem. So the 
spouse on paper, ex-spouse in real life does not have access to it. They don't have control over it. Frankly, they don't even have to know that it exists. And if they were to actually go through with the divorce, that would not be considered joint assets or commingled assets. So that would not be something subject to being split in half uh, like some of the marital assets. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, well, it's it's definitely something to, to consider if uh, if you're in this position at all, and you know if if you're listening to this, you probably are. If you saw the headlines of the podcast, it probably caught your attention and something you want to learn more about. But you can always sit down and meet with Nick to see what your options are, to see how this would look, what the setup process would be like, and you can connect with him online at CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. You can call their office, the Rosenbauer Law Office, at 513-463-6789. And, and I would just encourage you, too, if you know if you don't want to act immediately, but you're kind of looking for other estate planning ideas and, and guidelines, there's a lot of resources on Nick's site as well. So while you're there, if you're quarantined for a while and you're looking for reading material, <laughs> there's plenty to dig through on your website, Nick. Absolutely. And we have uh, we have a blog post about this and we have a number of other resources available on our free resources page to go over this and a whole other host of concerns and technicalities and questions that we get. Well, great. Well, thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you hit subscribe too. We have another episode coming out uh, in just a couple of weeks and uh, we'll continue on with our state planning topics. Get into probate court next. I think something that a lot of people are familiar with or at least heard about, but we're going to walk you through that process on the next episode. And every episode will be online as well at CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. So Nick, thanks for the time. I know, um, Things aren't great right now in Ohio and just around the the, the globe, but uh, we'll get through this and we'll be better off on the other side. I certainly hope so as well. And just uh, want to give a shout out to my Dayton Flyers as mm-hmm. well, uh, number three team in the country. But uh, coronavirus was the only thing <laughs> uh, keeping them from winning the national title this year. Got to hang that banner, my friend, next year when the season opens. For Nick Rosenbauer, I'm Ben George. Thanks for listening to Complete Estate Planning, the podcast where we talk everything estate planning to make sure not only are you taken care of, but the loved ones behind you never have to worry. That'll do it for us. Hit subscribe. We'll talk to you on the next episode. The Complete Estate Planning Podcast is brought to you by the Rosenbauer Law Office, based in Westchester, Ohio, and serving the entire Cincinnati area. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Complete Estate Planning with Nick Rosenbauer to find us or visit CincinnatiEstatePlan.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Nick, and to learn more about protecting your family legacy. That's CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. This show is for informational purposes only and does not provide any legal advice. Information on this show may not constitute the most up-to-date legal information. Please do not act or refrain from acting based solely on anything you hear on this show. This show does not form any attorney-client relationship with the Rosenbauer Law Office, LLC. Please seek the counsel of a qualified attorney before addressing your own estate planning needs.